Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage, live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome. It's the uh, first show of February already. Here we are. And again, I was a little bit stumped when I looked up and the clock is gone. <laughs> it's just, it's relocated. Dan, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling tired. Yeah. I know you're not really supposed to admit to that, but it's not like this is some kind of competition <laughs> where I'm going <laughs> to reveal my weakness or something. I had a long week. It was a long week. A lot of hours this week. <laughs> long week. Getting lots done. Uh, business seems particularly busy for a first week of a month. Lots and lots of inquiries and new loans and stuff in process. It's definitely picking up, and I think... Maybe a little bit thanks to these lower rates. <laughs> Interest rates falling four or five weeks in a row will will always give a little kick in the pants to the production. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's been really nice, but, you know, it makes for those longer, longer weeks. Yep. And so this morning, I feel a little bit foggy. But you know, I realized I didn't. I didn't get to pregame any of this coffee down. So <laughs> I'm going to be over here just chugging coffee, hoping to hoping to make my energy match my spirit. Mid show recuperation here. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So you're all spread out over there. It looks like you've got just tons to talk about. Yeah, I mean, no guest in the studio, so I'm going to take my fair share of the desk here and get ready. Big week this week, of course, was the jobs report. And um, did you did you see Obama yesterday, uh, our president on TV after the jobs report? I did not. Didn't don't see that all too often. But yesterday he took the opportunity to to do a quick little kind of statement about because um, it dipped below five percent. Yeah, it was a big talking point. Yeah, and it was I thought particularly interesting. I was watching MSNBC. No. CNBC, right? Which the one? CNBC, CNBC is what we usually have. And usually on mute, right? So you don't. I don't get a whole lot of the commentary, but I, I happen to have the audio up, and they were talking. Of course, you know the stock market was markets. I should say were kind of struggling along, and <laughs> data was just kind of mixed. And of course, I'm I'm trying to watch and see what's the uh, you know. What's the big impact of the jobs report? And it was interesting. Um, did you get it? <laughs> I think so. Pesky little insect down there causing that problems. Was a, that was a fairly large spider trying to invade my coffee. Gone. Problem, problem solved. Would you have screamed a little bit if it made it onto no. the mouthpiece and then you drank it to your lip with it on there? Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. He's still going, yeah, probably. That would be, that would do it. So you kind of put into some context, 
the last couple of years and what's happened in the job market i mean and and first talking point specifically is just about number of jobs created in 2014 the nation added three million jobs um piled on another 2.7 million jobs in 2015. So if you break that down, you know, 3 million jobs divided by 12 months, you're talking, I mean, what is that? Two, an average of 250,000 jobs a month, basically, to get to 3 million in a year? Sounds about right, yeah. It was 12 yeah. times 250. Yeah. That's right. So then the pace cooled a little bit in 2015, from 3 million down to 2.7 million. So now you're talking about 220-ish thousand jobs a month on average. Um, and so all eyes to the January 2016 job report, right? Because this is the first jobs report we've had since the rate hike where the economy hasn't had a lot of time, but a little bit of time to kind of wear it and see did it do anything? Did it matter? And so you think about you think about that for a minute. Think about what's been going on in the country here for the investment markets for the last five weeks. And what would you what what words would you use to describe the kind of state of the stock and equities market? <laughs> Surprisingly volatile and and in a downward you know kind of a, a scary little position right now. Not a free fall. Yeah, not but, a free fall, but. Not in the direction that it's shaky downward. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and of course we've been hearing things like, oh, this is the first, you know, the the worst January in however many years, and the Dow doesn't do this, and the Nasdaq doesn't do this, and all this kind of thing. And of course, all the all the people that get paid to talk about this for a living are all guessing whether this whole year keeps going down that road or does it recover and come back by the end of the year? Blah blah blah. Oil prices have been down. You know, there's been a, just a, a handful of things. The economy, there's been kind of a lot to look at and wonder about. And so getting the jobs report yesterday for the month of January, I thought was, um, I, it was highly anticipated. And what we learned from the Labor Department is that the employers in the U.S. added 151,000 jobs. So if you run that out annually, that's that's nowhere near the uh, 2.7 million of last year or the 3 million the year before. True. And so you, it sort of suggests if you're looking at the trajectory, so you got to wonder, I mean, is it just a blip again? Well, and oddly, this is, this is one of the few numbers that we get on a regular basis that isn't, that we don't typically see with some season, seasonal type of, you know, we don't see the January to January change in this one it's usually looked at as you know how's it doing for the quarter for the year or compared to last month but i've got to believe that january is not typically a strong hiring month in most years i mean this is usually coming off of the end of the holiday season when everyone's done a bunch of hiring i'd almost expect you know there to be higher jobless claims more people being laid off from the slowdown after holiday season than people being hired i, I so i don't but the, but I don't have only, a lot to go on. I have only a, time will tell yeah. as you get a few readings in a row. And, of course, a quarter of reports in terms of jobs is more dependable than a month's of reports, right? And, and kind of for that reason. So you can't help but see that, that the momentum of the fourth quarter of 2015 there 
was 283,000 jobs per month in that quarter. So here on the heels of it, I mean, however you got to add it up, it seems like it's, you know, the majority of the job growth last quarter, obviously, or last year occurred in the fourth quarter. So heading that direction, the, the other thing that I found was kind of interesting about this was that the commentary I was watching on CNBC um, immediately before president came out to kind of to kind of say, you know, rah, rah, this jobs report is under, you know, the unemployment rate's under 5% for the first time in a long time. Um, it, they were talking, the conversation was about 102,000 of the 151,000 jobs created were minimum wage jobs. Hmm. And wage growth, the number's been pretty stubborn hasn't been anything to write home about. And that's really a big component of what we're looking for is to see more better paying jobs. So to find out that two thirds of the, the lackluster number that was created were minimum wage jobs, kind of disappointing. And and I, so I was feeling, I was watching that and kind of watching the market and thinking, well, that's not, that's not great. I mean, we only forecast 190,000 jobs, so we came in a little bit lower even than what was forecast. But who had any idea to expect that so many of those jobs would be just minimum wage jobs? Well, as, and as has become so cliche, a, a lot of the underwhelming job growth was blamed on a colder January. Always looking for a scapegoat, right? Yeah, right. A cold January led to less activity the you know you said the wage growth continues to disappoint the number uh, you know the wage growth figure was actually up um a half a percent which is a a, de a good number compared to what we normally see but it's still disheartening to hear that nearly two-thirds of the jobs added in the month were minimum wage That's yeah they were retail and restaurant jobs and you know i mean that those just aren't the kind of great jobs you want to see being added again and i got to put the con this in context of our our federal reserve just made the decision to begin normalizing interest rates because economic both you know recent growth but also the the potential for our economy was deemed healthy enough to kind of push that up so it makes you wonder a little bit and obviously I'm, I'm not trying to be the sensationalist to say that this is the first sign of something tanking we know better than that um uh, i mean and look look back the last two years the last two januaries have been flat or negative gdp growth so our employers so optimistic about this first quarter that they're going to go out first month of the year and just start hiring like crazy when the last two years this has been the worst quarter of the year probably not probably not so th this you doesn't concern me at all this seems seasonal to me you remember when we were talking about why the feds might strategize a rate hike in december it's like yeah. this stuff's already gonna be kind of wishy-washy ho-hum anyway so you might as well sneak it in the first little move when you're definitely not hampering runaway growth and so maybe that is the deal maybe we're just sort of seeing how that that fits us so that when we hit second third and fourth quarter this year we'll be past that old news of yesteryear when we <laughs> raised rates for the first time yeah
you know, it's just, it's an interesting thing. Um, it but, was exciting. It was exciting to see 4.9% on the unemployment rate. That's pretty cool. First time that we've seen that since February of 2008. And then also, I just looked this up, the the U6, the broadest measure of unemployment, that one dipped below 10%. It's at 9.9%. Yeah. Um, there In this time, by the way, there wasn't a lot of criticism that the unemployment rate was falling for lack of um, participation. There, no one was running away with those headlines. And I, so I thought that was pretty interesting because usually when the unemployment rate drops, that's the first thing that all the naysayers say. Well, it dropped, but it's because of a participation problem. It's because disinterested workforce, yeah. retired people in the metrics, all this kind of thing. There wasn't a lot of that this time. So this one felt you know, probably like it was a little bit of a genuine just drop because of jobs created over the last couple of years being real strong. You know, the other, the other thing that I have to say about the unemployment rate and the folks who come out and say it's not an accurate measure of unemployment, I totally agree with you. I, I hear you. I agree with you. But at the same time, the way I look at that number, it's relative. It's always been measured the same way. So what is 5% unemployment today is 5% unemployment in previous years because it's all measured the same way. So even if you didn't agree with it today, you probably didn't agree with it 10 years ago or in February 2008 when it was at 4.9%. I've read some stuff, though, and I, I'm not proficient enough to talk this conspiracy talk, but I've read some stuff to suggest that the measurements have, have changed over the last decade or two hmm. in an effort, you know, because it... it Honestly, I think it depends what side of the politics you fall on, but there's the side of ever since the Reagan trickle-down stuff, it's just destroyed the economy, and ever since then, there's been a lot of, um, this is just one of the theories anyway, sort of the debt spending, deficits, all these different things, and then also metrics and ways, ways of measuring things to try to smooth over rough spots. And, you know, like I said, I don't necessarily know enough about those theories or whatever to be able to speak too much about it, but there is a little bit of debate in how it's calculated. Um, I don't know. I mean, if all we have right now, and this is why I think it's really interesting to just let's look at the last few years then. I mean, for me, I don't need to go all the way back to the 80s to want to try to understand what's going on. When the Great Recession started, we had initial jobless claims every week that were like 750,000 claims a week. And we, we'd shed like over 14 million jobs. And when you look at the metrics now, many of those, I mean, those jobs have been added back, at least the number of jobs. And now this next piece is for the wages to catch up. And then, you know, of course, that back to that competitive environment where a worker can be paid what they're worth and have a head of household job. I mean, that's, that's where we're going next, right? And when you look at the jobs that have been created for the last several years, the numbers are there. It's time for the wages to catch up. And I really felt that way about this one. These numbers might be a little bit low. At least the wages were in a, you know, the... Starting off the year on the right. Positive <laughs> yeah. instead of negative because there have been somewhere they were slightly negative mm -hmm. recently. 
Um, I shared this last week, but it's I think it's worth repeating just given the topic. Um, Slow County's jobless rate, just for comparison, this is a month behind, but it was at 4.5% in December compared to a, what we just found out yesterday. It was a 4.9% national reading for January. Um, our county is sits in eighth place, or tied for eighth, I believe, um, out of 58 counties in California. And the California unemployment rate for the state for December was at 5.8%. So just so you can kind of compare it all, put it into context. Those numbers sound pretty good. I mean, yeah, I, I think all in all, our, our region's definitely good. Our state's pretty good. And wasn't it one of the worst? Or no, maybe... It, I th most of the sand states were pretty hit, pretty, uh, hit pretty hard, but that was more for housing, not necessarily for jobs. Yeah, I'm trying to remember now. I mean, I don't I guess that specific. The things that stand out for me is I remember at a point reading that, like, I forget now if it was Lompoc or Solving, but they had, like, one of the higher unemployment rates around. It was, like, in the teens. And that seems to be the big standout thing in terms of locally where the big numbers were but i bet i bet even there it's coming back that article doesn't reference kind of breakdown by city it does a little bit you know it continues to show your home city as the lowest unemployment rate in in the county well, that's where the hard workers are tascadero tascadero lowest unemployment rate in the county yeah that's consistently that way it is it's is like that, at three percent or something is that kind of impressive I think so. I just it it, stri it it strikes me as odd. Just I mean, I live there, but look at the whole county. Why would any one city be consistently leading in that metric? It's not like Atascadero is a commerce hub. Must just be the bedroom community is, where people it, are most employed. It's it's centrally located to slow and Paso, Paso. and so if you have. Yeah two workers in a household and maybe they're working in opposite directions they meet in the middle for the home base maybe I don't know. same argument can be made though about the people that live in ag because sure. one works in san, san maria, maria and, and yeah you know i don't know it's interesting i just find it interesting that tascadero seems to consistently get that accolade of the lowest unemployment rate in the county well and they you know this article only talks about the best the worst and so it doesn't... I don't know where Roy Grande falls. So who did you say was the worst then? Um, I think I cut that part off. Oh, no. Well, you know, here's what we'll do. We'll look it up during the break. That way the listeners will have some reason to want to come back after the break. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll research and uh, explain which area in Slow County has the, the highest unemployment rate. What do you think about that? It's a plan. It's a, it's a challenge. All right, we're going to take the first commercial break here of the show, so we'll be out for just a couple minutes. Take some time to listen to the sponsors that help make the show possible. We'll be back in a, in a brief minute here for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked. To All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh Okay, so as promised before the break, we'd already... <laughs> Challenge accepted. We identified the city of the lowest unemployment rate in the county. Atascadero, 3.7%. That's something to be proud of. Yeah. And I actually found that Arroyo Grande is not too far behind at 3.9%. Perhaps That's the theory is correct. 
the middles. The cities <laughs> located in the major, between the major, um, you know, employment hubs in the county and North Santa Barbara County. Yeah, something to it. There we go. Um, let's see here. Paso Robles, it doesn't say it was the highest unemployment rate in the county, but of the major cities, it appears to be. Um, it was at 5%. Well, that's... That's now above the national average. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Get it together, Paso Robles. And then San Luis Obispo squeezed in under the national rate at 4.7%. Shoosh. Yeah. All right. There we go. That's not bad at all. Yeah, county's looking pretty good. Like I said, eighth best, or tied for eighth best among the 58 counties in the state. And boy, where's Imperial County? You, I think you say that every time. They're at nearly 20% unemployment. It's because you don't even know where they are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't even know how to advertise for a job there. What did we decide before? Is that like I'm going to... We're not even going to guess. I uh, think it's like way up north. I think it's way down south. No, it's way down south. Like it's, the Chula Vista... Yuma, Mexicali. I guess those are yeah. not cities in California, but they're the big cities right next to this region. Calexico. Yeah yeah cool there you go we'll have to remember that for second time i swear every time we look up imperial county um can we talk real quick again about that commercial i heard again on the way to the show today cash call mortgage yeah this call now and take advantage of these rates that are so low the lawyer really won't let us talk about this low rate does that is it just me or does that um commercial come off as like insulting i don't know you have a different perspective being in the business yeah it's like one of those things though I, and it's clear to me they were doing it wrong someone finally slapped their hand and now they're changing their approach that's well that's because you're in the business yeah <laughs> i feel like it as the general marketing um there's so many of these headlines like especially on facebook they use this like sentence to just try to like ensnare you to have to click or to have to call like cash oh. call it's like one of these things where like this dad she looked under the blanket and you won't believe what she found yeah and then dot, you're like dot, dot. <laughs> okay i can scroll past this thing and pretend i'm not and now i'm halfway past it and i'm like what did she find yeah dang it okay and i go i'm gonna be so disappointed (laughs) in this but i go back and i click the thing and like it's like oh it's this cute little kitten she found under the blanket oh i knew it was gonna be something like that and then i'm like oh i fell for the clickbait again that's how i feel about the cash call commercial you'll have to call to find out Mm. (laughs) the rates are so low it's kind of complicated i guess the lawyers are right (laughs) you're like Come on. You don't have to just trick me into calling to find out what your rate is. Mortgage advertising has always been so gimmicky. Very little information, a lot of gimmick. Well, yeah. The same thing with the... I mean, we talked about this last week, too. The the rocket mortgage with Quicken. It absolutely says zero about the process, about the loan, about anything. I saw that commercial this week, though. (laughs) It's so dumb. I saw it um play on television with audio and it was the first time i had seen it since we like jim played the clip last week but it's like mortality mortician mortuary (laughs) mortuary 
of all the mort of all of the mort's mortgage. It's like, oh man. So and then he's like, so we made the rocket mortgage, and then it's all. Yeah, it it's literally says nothing about the business or anything. I always picture there's like a board of like young people together, right? And everyone's got like a tablet and a, some kind of phone, and they're like, "We got to reach the millennials. How about a rocket? <laughs> Let's do a rocket mortgage." And then there's probably some like you know older voice of reason guys that are like, "Come on." What does a rocket have anything to do with what we're the brand we're selling? And they're like, picture it. We'll play these words on the screen that all start with M O R something, like in a solemn voice. And then this rocket mortgage is going to fly, and people are going to call us because they're going to have to get in on that. Was that a tough sell in the boardroom or what? I have no idea. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> it makes me think we're doing it wrong. Because, I mean, Quicken? Look how big they are. That's kind of funny. So, speaking of other banks, um, oh, what I have here. Hang on. There's a, this was a, this was a funny one. Well, not funny, but. Wells Fargo agreed to pay $1.2 billion. Just a billion. I'm going to sign that big of a deal, right? <laughs> 1.2 billion to settle claims that it engaged in reckless lending under FHA program um, that left government insurance fund to clean up the mess. So they've been talking about this because Wells Fargo is the nation's biggest mortgage lender. Yeah, they originate something like 25% of all loans written. It's a lot. I mean, <laughs> For one entity, yeah, it's huge. Which is why I like to pick on them. <laughs> Not really. I, don't, I mean, I actually think that for the model and for what they do and who they are, like that's that's good for Wells. You know, I mean, they're it's a reasonable business. They've never been particularly competitive amongst companies like this, where like ours, where you have all of the different banks to pick from and kind of do a best execution thing. They're not. They're not always the best, but um, obviously they they have they hold a great piece of market share. Um, yeah, so these guys got popped for a big settlement, um, saying they knew these loans were misclassified, but in in basically alleging that loans were FHA eligible that weren't. And yeah, so, when were these loans originated? Um. I imagine that it was pre-housing crash. Yeah, 2001 to 2010. Which is odd, because when I look back on my mortgage experience from that time period, who's FHA? Yeah. Did we do any FHA loans? Like, literally, did we even do one FHA loan? No, not no. really, because the, <laughs> the loan amounts weren't sufficient yeah so you had really minimal loan amounts where somebody would come over here and you know want to buy a, a $250,000 house or $300,000 house the maximum FHA loan would be 189,000 or something so mortgage insurance on every loan instead the market answered with first Piggybacks, and second yeah. loans and seconds yeah there was so, I mean we we fund we worked for multiple companies that funded I mean one of your you worked for Countrywide they were the giant at that time how many fha loans did you see during that time none <laughs> it's so yeah 
clearly they were, Wells Fargo was taking loans that were originated as something other than FHA and then Well, it sounds like what they were doing was just kind of people that needed probably to be into a subprime product were getting the upgrade into an FHA loan. Well, somehow they they what I think with my secondary background here, I'm guessing they originated it one way, sold the market rate, and then try to package it as something else to get a better price on the secondary. Put market. a little FHA cert in front of <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, but in FHA though, I mean, one of the things about FHA, when you fund your FHA loan, the upfront mortgage insurance, which was present even then, that chunk that's due at the funding of the loan gets sent to HUD. And then every single month, you pay monthly mortgage insurance with your mortgage payment. And that monthly mortgage insurance gets forwarded to HUD. Yeah, but so, it was a lot lower then, too. Perhaps Wells well, was sure, but, taking the extra but profit. The point being, though, was that you had, to, you had to have done docs and funded and serviced the loan as an FHA loan if it, if it got qualified, registered true, with HUD. True, yeah. So... It had to have at least been marketed and closed as a HUD loan. And then they were just people that were said they qualified. And I'm guessing it was a lot of manual underwrites. That's my guess. Like it was issues on loans where if you were following the guidelines purely, the loans wouldn't have qualified. But you bend and break the rules and give it the old FHA stamp that it, it shouldn't have. So, but $1.2 billion, I mean, that's not even that much money anymore, right? That's still weird to me. It's weird that... I also the, think it's... The, the multiple companies we worked for during that time period originated a collective zero FHA loans, yet somehow during that same time period, Wells Fargo's originating so many that they have to pay a fee of $1.2 billion. billion. Dollars. <laughs> what were they doing that was so radically different from everyone else? It doesn't make sense to me. Running amok. Yeah, I don't know. That's a weird thing. There are, even in this market today, FHA is still not the the main go-to source. I, I qualified some, um, I'm going to call them kids now that I'm like old. <laughs> these guys were, these guys were born in the um, like early 90s and are showing up to buy a house. And I was like, yeah, look at you guys, you're kids. But. They came to me, and interestingly enough, I'm, this story is like flooding back to me as I start to tell it. Interestingly enough, they had kind of like true to the millennials thing, they had done a lot of online research and ended up contacting the bank where they banked. So they had their checking and savings accounts at Wells Fargo. So they went into Wells and they got pre-qualified for a home loan. And the... The guy that uh, that I'm working with, his name is Simon. He says to me, "We got um, we got pre-qualified by somebody else." And so, I think most people talk to at least multiple lenders. So that's just not a that's not a really big deal for me. You know, I kind of feel like I don't care who you've talked to. We're here now, and I'm gonna help demonstrate that I'm the right person to help you analyze all of your issues and objectives and the constraints we have and the goals and figure out how to 
how to get you into a house basically and so we start doing the thing we get down to the end of the conversation and the loan programs ultimately that we arrived on was like a, a Fannie Mae five percent down with borrower paid mortgage insurance and the reason this was possible is because these guys had pretty good credit and so he said to me right away well the when I went to Wells the own they they pre-approved me for an FHA loan and that was it Hmm. and said why would why would they not have showed me this i said well i think for a couple reasons i mean number one fha is a lower down payment so if they were just and and not not necessarily i mean it's lower than the optional five percent down because you can do a three percent down deal with fannie mae as well the mortgage insurance and interest rate gets a little higher or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think the bottom line was he was a little bit disappointed that other options weren't presented to him. And then, you know, it's kind of like trying to explain to him that nationally, that's actually one of the criticisms of the big banks is that they they squeeze more people than they should into FHA that might even belong into another product that is usually more affordable for the borrower but less profitable for the bank. I remember you sharing uh, a study a few months ago that that identified that very characteristic that when you go to a bank you're more likely to get placed into an FHA loan than if you go which we consider else. the worst case loan. Yeah. It's, but it's yet about it, it 5% seems... of our total business. Yeah. We have a caller on the line. We do. We have Anne in Avila Beach. All right. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Um, I've been listening to your talk, and I know that in general you do uh, mortgage loans. But do you know anybody who does construction loans in the uh, in the San Luis area? Funny you should <laughs> ask. As a matter of fact, oh, okay. we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Um, and kind of give you an overview of it. Construction loans got very difficult to find for you know the last probably six or eight years. Difficult, if not impossible. Yeah, um, right. But we're now we're seeing it. It's emerging from several banks now, um, and we've got ability to do construction financing. Whether it's like a one-time close kind of deal, where you do a construction loan that is your permanent financing, kind of all rolled into one. The regular old construction loans, we can do them for owner-occupied and speculative build. Um, We've also found that through a couple of the rehabilitation loan programs, those loans are typically used for just improving properties that have deferred maintenance. You can actually use them kind of in the same way as a construction loan, as a one-time closed loan. If there's can, an existing structure. Yeah, if there's an existing structure, you can add square footage and, and make improvements. So there's several different options. Yeah, well, <clears throat> this particular one that I'm thinking of, it's, it's really a teardown. So, I mean, the, the idea of a rehab is, is past what I feel that the house can take. So it would be a teardown and then a, a rebuild. And uh, I just was curious uh, if you had any recommendations in terms of construction loans. And then, of course, there would be a, a, a takeout loan at the end. Right, what's the purpose of the, of the construction? Are you looking to retain this it's, as it's your principal uh, it's residence? It's a rental. Uh, as a rental. It, okay. It's on a property that I use as a rental, and it would continue to be a rental. Yeah, so in that case, you know, probably what we would explore is a standard construction loan. 
um, uh-huh. versus the one-time closed construction loan. Um, but yeah, it, it sounds, and do you currently have financing on that property? No, it's, it's, uh, it's already paid off. So what's great about that is that every borrower needs the kind of down payment on a construction loan is always that what we say will loan like a 75% cost to value. So if the construction part costs, um, you know, X amount of dollars, we need there to be 25% equity in the project at the end of that. And your lot owning the lot typically would meet that. Um, well, and I have, I have a meter, you know, and a <coughs> sewer connection. So that's sure. a help too. Yeah. We, we so, definitely, yeah, yeah we, we have a, a program for you. It's a, it's a two-time closed loan. You have the, the financing for the construction piece, and then when construction's complete, then we take it out with permanent financing. So that's something we could definitely help you with. So what kind of interest rates are you talking about? On, for that type of program, you're looking at a 5%, um, 5% interest rate. Uh, for both uh, for the construction, the construction and the takeout? Yeah, I mean, the, the takeout's going to be most market. likely a, a conventional loan at market rate when whenever the project's so, completed. Yeah, if it takes you 6 or 9 or 12 or 18 months to get from beginning of your project to finish, you, interest rates can really only competitively be locked for... 30 or 60 days at most. So, sure. yeah, I see so that. you mm-hmm. can't really place a... Okay, well, a so you, but, if, but on the front end with a con, a construction loan, you, you could do it, and you're talking about a 5% um, uh, interest rate Correct. and the equity being 25%. Exactly. It's, the, yeah, yeah, the maximum loan that you can get is 75% of cost. Cost of the, you mean of the of cost, the building project? Co- cost would be the total projects. That would be land yeah. acquisition. So you already own the land, and depending mm-hmm. on how long you've owned the land, we would either use the the price you purchased the land at or today's value um, for the land portion. We would factor in the hard costs, which are you know your lumber and your materials and things like that, and then your soft costs. So that's all of your permits, planning. Yeah. School, yeah. you know everything Fees, that goes into that. All the other stuff. So those are your costs. Those three components. Well, um, I don't know the name of your business. It is Central Coast Lending. Just call five four three loan. It's five four three five six two six. If you want to reach us during the week, and we'd be happy to help you um, explore that a little further. Okay, I appreciate your uh, the information. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yeah, construction loans are something that. We've seen more interest in lately, more availability lately. So it's a it's an exciting segment of the market to open up. We know that we sure do need more homes um, just to keep up with growth and the the lack of building that's occurred over the last eight years that hasn't met needs. So that would help alleviate some of the supply issue that we see around the area. And there are a lot of properties that are just totally dilapidated. You know, they just well, could use a fresh. Yeah, so I was going to say, it, in terms of like, that's a, that property she identifies as really a teardown, and it's also a property that's owned free and clear. So the property itself <coughs> is also uh, most likely out of tax benefit. So as it ends the, sort of nears the end of its useful and economic and physical life, it's like time to rebuild it where you'll get some financing you'll have some expenses again and some write-offs a fresh set of depreciation can kind of restore how 
how beautiful an investment property is as like a tax planning tool and that it goes away over time and usually when you own one free and clear like that it's because you've had it for quite a while and and it's run its course in terms of that usefulness we need to do the final commercial break here of the hour we'll remind some people who we are yeah obviously <laughs> we don't say it enough supposed this is supposed this is intended to be an infomercial <laughs> that's the idea huh? <laughs> right, I really we're just not very good uh, hence we have listeners and and callers that go that don't know the name of the business so we're central coast lending it should say so during the break um, the number to the office if you want to talk to a loan officer and get help is five four three five six two six stick around after this short break for more mortgage matters mortgage matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. I see you at our kids' Little League games. I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, in Santa Maria, Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, guys, welcome back. Hey, if you have a question or you want to give a comment, really, if you want to interact with us some way verbally, you can call 543-8830. And uh, we're, we're here. We'll answer your call. You don't have to go on the air if you don't want to, but sometimes people just have a question. Um, been doing... Uh, a lot of research and discussion lately about um, construction loans like that last caller and 
It's true, like you said, there's these renovation loans around. The Fannie Mae renovation loan we learned this week, you can use for anything that adds value to the house. Yeah, that was such a loose definition. And they'll allow the renovation portion of the loan to be up to half of the total uh, value of the um, appraisal. So, in other words, you could do, if you had an $800,000 house, you could do like a $400,000 renovation loan on it. I mean, you can borrow beyond 400000 As long as the rest is going to pay off existing financing. Pay off existing financing. So, if you wanted to put in a swimming pool or upgrade the kitchen or add a bedroom if you wanted to just redo the exterior siding and roof because of like deferred maintenance issues or whatever this is a great loan for that um, and even if it's not doing uh, remodel type of work to the home you can simply just be adding square footage to it by way of you know I'm gonna I'm gonna build on an extra bedroom and bathroom on the back part of the house this loan will do that and it's a Fannie May 30-year fixed loan that's really neat because it follows conventional underwriting like it's very predictable you know exactly what you're gonna get commercial underwriting um, and construction loan underwriting gets into commercial aspects you know at least kind of at its heart it gets a little bit more like arbitrary you know somebody can go oh yeah you know we're we're real comfortable with this project in person versus we don't have the best feeling about this project in person. There's not a lot of feelings left in conventional underwriting. And I think I like that. It makes it easier to define and control for me. We've got another caller on the line that we'll squeeze in before the break here. Here's Gretchen in Shell Beach. Good morning, Gretchen. Yes, hi there. I have just a quick question or two. Sure. I've always been, I've always been curious about um, the loans made by the conventional banks and why if you have, um, let's say, a property worth 800000 you owe 400 on it, and you, you've been making payments faithfully, why it's so difficult for a person to refinance if they have money in the bank but they don't have the monthly income? Well, with all of the the reform that's gone on in the mortgage industry over the last couple of years, one of the big rules now when originating a mortgage is is documenting a borrower's ability to repay. ATR. ATR. It's a big acronym, a big deal in mortgage today, demonstrating the borrower's ability to repay. And part of this, it's a it's kind of a, a two sided sword here because it's intended to protect consumers from being able to take out loans that they can't afford and so they're tasking lenders now with being able to prove that borrowers have an ability to repay and this was I mean some of these rules were loose even when we were doing stated income loans and no income documentation loans back in the early 2000s the ability to repay they said oh 
Well, you can tell this person has the ability to pay because they've been paying for two years at a, this rate or higher. And, and not understanding what their actual income or assets levels were. And, and so now we've really gotten away from that. Under the new qualified mortgage rules as established by Dodd-Frank, which is, is the financial reform Dan speaks of, you have to have a documented ability to repay. There are companies that offer kind of stated income type of loans that do not meet the standards of those Dodd-Frank requirements. However, you pay interest rates of seven, eight, nine, ten 10% when you play with the companies that can afford not to, to have a model that doesn't comply with Dodd-Frank. So I, I hear you though, it's a really frustrating thing where you know, I, I, we see it all the time as somebody would say, you know, well, you just, you don't qualify for this loan. They go, don't qualify. I've been making this payment for years and it's going to go down by 500 bucks a month, only improving my likelihood of performance and I don't get to get it. With that said, though, if you are considered a low risk borrower, meaning you have good credit, you have, um, you, you have equity in your property you know, those kind of things, then you will see some reduced documentation um, called for in, in your loan approval. You'll, you know, maybe something as little as just your most recent pay stub and W-2. They won't look for the two years of income history, just one year. So sometimes you'll see some relaxed guidelines if, if it's a strong loan. The other thing I was going to say about that too is that, you know, some loan programs will cut you off at like a 41% debt to income ratio. Um, if you've got a lot of equity, Freddie Mac likes assets and equity a lot. So their automated engine will let you have a debt to income ratio, you know, as high as 50%, sometimes even a little bit higher than that. So, you know, depending on how hard income is to verify or, you know, if it's just a, it. Some lenders will have more conservative debt to income ratio tolerances than others. Um, and then lastly, the only other thing I want to say about that is that it, it might be a long shot, but VA loans really have no debt to income ratio requirements. So if there's any way you can get into a VA loan, there's potential there. And then if you happen to have like an FHA loan or something, they offer some streamlined refinance programs where because you already have their loan, you don't have to qualify a second time, but you have to be one of those classes already to be able to take advantage of it. Oh, all that information was superb. Thanks, Anil. Yeah, and if you want to, you know, if you want to call in, in the office this week and get a little bit more specific about your scenario and let us just kind of brainstorm what possible fix or offering or anything could be done. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you, I have knowledge of some other banks around the um, city as well as state and country that don't, they don't really do just loans based on Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. So there might be some other places that we could even refer you to if we draw dead. So call us if you'd like to. Um, we'd love to help you. The number to our office is 543-LOAN. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We got to take a commercial break here. It's the top of the hour break. So we're going to be out for about five minutes. When we get back, we have a whole other hour of Mortgage Matters. Hopefully more calls to come, more content to share, more dialogue to have. Stick with us after the short break for more Mortgage Matters. Lending. 
If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Hey, we're back. It's uh, wow, just got here right in time. Just like professionals know exactly what we're doing. Just it, it felt like time, so we wandered back in, and here we are. Music's going. As you were saying, <laughs> just like professionals, I was trying to put my headphones on, but they were tangled around the microphone, and I like I tethered myself to the microphone with like my face up against it. It was very professional. All right. Well, we're back. We've got a whole another hour with you. Enjoyed the couple of calls we got the first hour. We love um, trying to offer solutions to for people who haven't found a solution yet when it comes to financing real estate. It's what we're really good at. So we've made a career at. And uh, hopefully we can do the same for a few more people this hour. If you'd like to call in and be a part of the conversation or ask a question, give us a call at 543-8830. 543-8830. Love to hear from you. Let's see. It's really helpful when people call and ask a question because it reminds us of other things that we can talk about. Yeah. The construction one's a great one. Um, like I said, it's come up several times this week. And the, you know, the funny thing, too, is that each time somebody calls and says, well, I know you do this, but do you do that? And it reminds me that, man, we're not, we don't do a good enough job about telling people all the things that we do related to home loans. Um, so maybe a little overview on that. Yeah. Um, in some, well, yeah. I know you do purchase loans, right? But do you do refinance loans? Yeah, we we fail at that a lot because we just take it for granted that everyone knows our business as well as we do. I like to sum it up and say that if it's residential real estate and it can be financed, we've got a loan program for you. Yeah. In fact, we've got every loan program option for you. There may be more than one for your specific situation. That's right. So we do all the government loans, VA, FHA, USDA. BLT, the <laughs> Mickey D. <Let's> see. <laughs> all the acronyms. But yeah, those are all the government loans. And then the conventional loans, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which interestingly enough, they're still under conservatorship <laughs> of the U.S. government. And they are still really functioning as separate companies and um, Fannie Mae makes up about 80% of the conventional business, Freddie Mac being the other 20% of the conventional business. So Fannie's much larger, but Freddie is accommodating of a few issues that Fannie isn't quite. And I would just suggest that most basically, the first thing that's really great about having the Freddie Mac option is that they'll, like I said before, that Freddie really likes assets. So they'll tolerate a little bit lower credit or a little bit higher debt to income ratio um, or both if there's good assets and um, believing that that's kind of the source of an ability to solve a problem. If somebody really got into a bind, it's, it's the assets they have access to that's going to save them, not their good paying income, right? So if you get yourself into a bind while having good paying income, 
your problems bigger than your income. Yeah. Right. So that's just how Freddie's wired up. It's a little bit, so it's a little bit more expansive, farther reaching. Um, the two really price the same. I mean, there are, there are some banks that attempt to make slight differences between the two, but I'd say for all intents and purposes, the, the pricing's the same for Fannie and Freddie. Um, and that's the lion's share of business that's done, right? I mean, what, 80? Yeah. 80. With, within some of those categories, there's some nuanced programs. There's the, you know, Fannie Mae's Home Ready program, which is designed for a first-time home buyer, putting a minimum down. They've got the uh, 3% down, minimum down payment. Um, it's, it's basically a program designed to compete with FHA. There's, uh, w- we talked about the rehab program called Home Style. There's an FHA version called the 203K. So any and all of these programs we have, we offer. The other one, too, that doesn't get talked about a lot lately, but the um, Fannie Mae's um, Refi Plus program, where you can refi if you have negative equity um, or a variety of other circumstances that have happened. This is for loans that originated prior to... What's the date? June 1st of 2009. Yeah, exactly. So if you have a loan that's owned by Fannie Mae um, prior to that, that was originated prior to that date of 2009, this is a program that will allow you to refinance in spite of your equity. Very, very tolerant of debt to income ratio issues. So that's another um, angle yet of when the call we had, uh, what was the second call we had? Was it Ann, I believe, from... Ann. Or Gretchen. Gretchen. Sorry, Ann was somewhere. Yeah, the, the Gretchen phone call. Um, this is another thing that can be looked up is if you happen to be a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac-owned loan already, those can have remarkably high debt-to-income ratios on those. So that could be another thing that... Not due to equity, like maybe anybody that Gretchen ever talked to, they just never explored that program because it's not a negative equity situation. That's sort of what we know it for, but where somebody's guaranteed by Fannie but has the equity and just has a crazy high debt to income ratio or something, that can be a solution there too. Yeah, Um, A few years ago, I recall a couple that we did a loan for, they had plenty of equity in the home. I think they had like 60% loan to value, but income was struggling due to the the state of the economy at the time. And their debt to income ratio was somewhere around 65 to 70%, which is normally unapprovable. But because they did qualify for the um, refi plus program that Fannie Mae offers, they were able to get a loan, lower their their monthly payment, and that really enabled them to remain in the home and keep the home. And today they're they're doing well. I'll tell you about another cool one I had. You know, just as another obscure type of thing, Freddie Mac has that program for Home Possible. There was a listing in Los Osos that was not a teardown, but definitely not going to get conventional financing. You know, the flo- a lot of flooring missing, holes in drywall, broken windows, no appliances. You walk through this place and say, oh, this, this place needs like a cash buyer that's going to do like a full rehab or it needs somebody that, um, you know, somehow or other is going to figure out how to make this ugly duck a real house. Well, this Freddie Mac program... Um, it happened to be a Freddie Mac owned home. They don't even require an appraisal. 
So these guys that were, they had no idea that this would work out. We got an appraisal done because nobody said otherwise. The appraisal comes to my desk and I go calling a real estate agent like, why on earth? Would you have let this get to this point? Like, you've clearly been in this house. This is not a lendable house. And he said, oh, we thought it would be okay because the buyer's putting 50% down. Okay, that's not, down payment doesn't remove the appraisal requirements of a conventional program. So that was like a misstep in your logic. But the good news is it's a home possible eligible home. So, and these guys were going to do all the improvements they had to do with cash right but so then we were able to just flip it this way toss the appraisal and close this thing under a normal freddie mac loan so there's there's some really interesting things that can be done really interesting solutions to problems use using the normal programs and um that's just kind of where we're at we excel at that because we've got access to all of it and have been doing this for long enough that we've seen most of the scenarios and seen the the really interesting fixes happen the other thing we do is the lowest interest rate loans that exist to mankind right you know, we good can, point we can do tough loans loans with with little issues here and there we can do loans where we're just simply competing on rate trying to get you the best rate that you can shop for and and that's another thing we excel at um we can do loans all over the state of california and colorado I know, kind of random, but we can do. We're licensed in those two states. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's very easy, surprisingly easy, to do business over the internet and email. We use encryption to make sure when we're transmitting documents that none of your sensitive information's getting out there. You know, for hackers to steal. We provide you a link, a portal if you will, to upload documents to that's safe and secure. You can do an application online. You, know, you can even take pictures with your phone of documents and we can receive documents that way. It's so easy to do business um, over the internet now. Working on a loan for my mom right now in Sacramento. I've got a couple friends down in the Los Angeles area who are trying to buy homes and it's, it's a piece of cake. We recently had a new loan officer join us from another company. And in going through the rundown of, you know, this is the technology that we're working with now, he was pretty impressed that you can send an email that has the link to the online loan application where a borrower, you know, when we're separated geographically, or sometimes we're just separated by schedule, you know? Like, let's say you're in a demanding job and you just can't get away between eight and five. That's not an option. Um, maybe you can't even get away between eight and eight. And so you're, you need some other option to do a loan application at night and then to scan your pay stub or take a picture of it with your smartphone and upload it through a secure link and do a loan like that that is like without ever needing to interact during business hours or even face-to-face. -face. And, and of course, we have the technology to do all that safely at our company. Um, I think one of the fantastic benefits of our company is that we're local and you can come sit down with us, you know, and I'm like, I'm an old school guy. I like, if I'm going to do a deal with you, I really, I would like to sit down with you, shake your hand, you know, get to know each other. There's a lot, there's a lot of 
kind of just comfort and ease that a transaction enjoys when people get to be face to face and um, get comfortable with one another. You don't get that over the phone or the internet very easily. So I like that about our company that you can come in if you want to. But believe me when I tell you, so many of the clients that are, they live three miles away from our office and they do a whole transaction without ever coming in. Uh, they don't want to or need to. They feel comfortable and, and we could accommodate that. So, yeah, it's a it's one of those things where you just want to know that we're a, we're a local resource for you guys. I hope you get the sense of it. If you need something related to residential financing, whether it's building, buying, a second home, investment property, a primary residence, whatever you got going on, um, we, can, we can help problem solve for you and hopefully get you on the right track. Um, love to be able to do a piece of business for you, but that's not always the way it ends up. And you're not leaving anything on the table. You're not you know, paying a 20% premium by working with some local guys. You're getting the same competitive deal you could get if you put us toe-to-toe with any national you know, big bank company. And I encourage my clients to get another quote. We'll lay them on the table. You'll pick me and we'll have a great transaction together um, knowing, you know, because hey, it's like one of those things where you almost expect okay well if i use these guys they're obviously not wells fargo so how can they be as good they're not as big how can they have a as low a rate right i think there's a lot of that mentality around so when people come to us and they go hey look you're local and smart and can help me with this and you can give me a better deal than I got when I called cash call for the deal too complicated to explain on the radio because of the lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's nice too, I think, you know, I think about the listener who's maybe heard this show, gotten to know us over the years, um, and they have relatives who live outside the area, maybe in major metros, where it's really hard to separate the different mortgage lenders from one another right you you've worked in the big city you've worked in san diego i've worked in the bay area um there's a lot of options and it's hard to know who's who's reputable and who's not you can if if you have family members and they're needing mortgages you can refer them to us we'd be happy to work with them you know who you're doing business with you can give them that vote of confidence and it's easy to transact business out of the area yeah yeah, there's no doubt. I When I did my one-year lap down in San Diego, I really, I mean, I, I hustled home to the opportunity to be back here on the Central Coast. Just, um, and it's hard, it's hard to describe very well without maybe even sounding a little bit judgmental or something. But um, in the city, no matter how much i i tried to develop personal rapport with people it was like a turnstile of people and there's another guy along every two seconds with another song and dance and they just i think for that reason very slow to give you trust and very quick to like at the first sight of trouble or whatever people would just jump ship and then you're just lost in the masses again in Slow County, the, the the relationship is so much, it starts on such firmer ground. Is there just less people? It's easier to get a, a sense of somebody. Um, it feels 
like There's down more of a there, sense of accountability here. Yeah, like down in the city, it felt like a rat race where it was very hard to be able to kind of decide who was who and and also have people decide who you were. Whereas here, um, yeah, there's a bit more accountability, but everybody sort of starts from a greater position of trust and, and it makes it just an, an easier thing to do. I, I don't want to, um, I, I, ideally in my professional career, I'll never have to go back to the city like that. <laughs> I just didn't like it. It felt very impersonal. Um, and like people bought and sold relationships. Whereas here on the central coast, there's not a lot of buying and selling of relationships. You spend a few years here and people get to know you get to see your true colors, get to see what you do when things are good and what you do when things are hard. And then that sort of becomes your your stripe, you know, about how you're going to get along with others and be perceived. It's a, it's a nice business climate here. It's not that way for me, at least for me in the city. It was very different. Let's uh, do the commercial break. It's already 22 after. Um, so we got this break to take some time to thank the sponsors and again if you guys have a question want to talk about an issue um anything really give us a call if you want to make noise with your voice on the radio 543-8830 otherwise if you don't we'll just keep talking so we'll be back in a couple minutes after this break stick with us to ask a question or make a comment call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 mortgage matters on kvec news talk 920 we'll be back after these messages from our sponsors hi this is john spencer when you're cooking for family and friends Bring home the best from your hometown Spencer's Fresh Market. Here are a few examples. Expecting a hungry crowd of football fans this weekend or just planning the weekly dinner menu? Shop at your hometown Spencer's and score with big values. Find mouthwatering Harris Ranch beef back ribs and value packs of beef tri-tip or bring home twin packs of all-natural prairie fresh baby back pork ribs in the value pack or fresh chicken wing drumettes or boneless skinless chicken breast in the value pack. It's your choice. They're all just $2.99 a pound each. Spencer's Indoor Farmer's Market is loaded with values, too. There's extra-large Haas avocados for a low 79 cents each, tender fresh asparagus for $1.99 a pound, and to fix a refreshing salad, choose crisp, leafy bunches of red, green, or romaine lettuce. They're just 99 cents each. For the best variety of quality meats, the biggest selection of local produce, and the lowest prices every day, shop at Spencer's Fresh Markets. We're in Santa Maria and Morro Bay. Deborah Trout provides professional fiduciary services on the Central Coast. She can act as your trustee, executor, or power of attorney in the place of a family member or friend. Having a neutral third party to handle your affairs can make the process easier. Deborah Trout holds a fiduciary license, which enables her to provide these services according to the law. If you're in need of assistance, Deborah Trout is for you. Contact Deborah Trout today at 547-1288 to schedule your appointment. Deborah Trout is dedicated to maximizing the flexibility and independence of your life. Let me get you some cream for your coffee. Oh, not again. What's wrong? My refrigerator's on the blink again. Oh, no problem. Refonian. What does that mean? That means you need to call Refonian's Appliance Repair at 481-5000. I just had this repaired by another company. You should have Refonian it. They guarantee their work for one full year. For a full year? I should have Refonied it. Whether you need service or the best price on any major appliance, Refoni it. Visit Refoni's in their new location at 1018 East Grand in Royal Grande or call them at 481-5000. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Sort of a, a hodgepodge show so far, talking these different programs and, and different options. I'm not so sure that there's a, uh, a lot more to talk about. What do you think? Well, one that we didn't mention was jumbo loans, jumbo financing. We Can I tell you about a loan I locked this week, by the sure. way? Yeah. Um, so last week I went into the real estate, uh, into Patterson Realty, actually, to go do their uh, little market update at their meeting. And I was telling all these guys about um, how low rates are. And, you know, as a rule, we try not to talk rate too much on the show because, you know, like I always it's criticize tax, I always <laughs> criticize that uh, cash call people. Um there's some rules about it and and what the problem is you can be really misleading where you just pop off an interest rate because the APR is required to be legally disclosed okay and so if you don't disclose the APR then what you've done is you've broken state licensing law but also you've engaged in deceptive advertising practices. So you're, you know, if you come out and say on the radio, I, what I have for you is a 3.75 interest rate, the follow-up comment to that needs to be with an APR of 3.812 or whatever it is. And so, 
What's in an APR? APR calculation is taking finance costs, the, the cost to you to borrow that money, equating them to interest and sort of re-crunching the number to tell you what the true cost is based on upfront out of dollars, out of pocket dollars or upfront out of equity dollars to procure that deal. And um, like you mentioned last week, the note rate and APR don't get to match. That's not how it works because at a minimum, you're going to have an escrow fee that's an APR fee. And no matter who pays it, it needs to be recorded and, and put into the APR calculation. Even if the lender issues a credit to cover it, it's still uh, an APR sensitive item. So when you call and you say, we'll give you a 3.5 loan with no closing costs and a 3.5 APR, um, no, you're breaking laws. And that's why Cash Call now has the new, oh, the lawyers said it's too complicated. That was the way of them, kind of, they got their hands smacked and now they're trying to smarten up a little bit. Um, but check this out. I, I'm prepared because this is a real loan. I went into the real estate office and I said, guys, rates are so low and you know they're in a range right now that we haven't seen in a couple years. One of the gals said, what can you do on a jumbo? So I'm, I wanna tell you about this loan I locked this week. I'm looking at the actual truth and lending statement right now so I can tell you this is the real deal. This is a $674,000 loan. So it's exceeding Fannie Mae limits. It's true jumbo. This is a 30-year fixed loan. The interest rate is 3.625. Wow. And the borrowers are paying a point because they wanted to buy down from what was 3.875. So the APR on this deal and again i'm looking at the actual truth and lending statement the apr is 3.731 wow a 30-year fix at jumbo 3.625 percent that's that's amazing 30-year fix to and you can borrow up to a million dollars at that that's ridiculous that's like free money and they so she wrote me back right away I, I gave her a written quote with the note rate and apr and the quote and she wrote right back and said um that would save me 500 dollars a month off of what i have today and i said to her are you sure that you're evaluating um principal and interest against principal and interest because if you're if she was looking at principal interest taxes and insurance and comparing just to my principal and interest it wouldn't line up in the end and she'd be like oh we we kind of began under this on a false premise so we did a little bit more work to make sure that that was a true savings and that she was evaluating it correctly and we locked this rate and this is a, you can tell i'm pretty excited about it that's a smoking deal um so great point I, i'm all i don't think we have a lot more to say about it you're like jumbo loans yeah let me tell you about this jumbo loan i just locked it's a killer deal if people have uh you know seven eight nine hundred thousand dollar loan to finance we're talking pretty darn good 30-year fixed rate loans right here got another caller we've got ken in grover beach all right ken welcome to the show hey thank you <coughs> Um, yeah, I have a question about, well, you know, first of all, I don't really know very much. I'm extremely novice on real estate, but my dad left me his house in Oxnard, and um, I don't even know if I should, if I need to refinance or not. Are there some indicators? 
Um, I need to know about. You know, it, first of all, good call. I mean, it never hurts just to kind of kick the tires and see what you got. And so here's what I'll tell you uh, about refinancing. Um, people refinance for a variety of reasons. So usually it's to improve cash flow on a property, whether it's the house you live in or a house that you rent out. If, if you can get your debt payment down as low as you can, then you're in the best spot you can be in. But, you know, the thing about refinancing that I don't love is if there, if you're, if there's an end in sight, you know, like let's say that that the house you have has 20 years to go on that loan, getting a new 30 year loan would push it out 30 years. So you always want to make sure that you're not giving up time, right? Because time is so limited and finite. Um, and then on top of that, the other thing to consider is what do you gain by refinancing? So if it's one of those things where you can shave a little time off of how long it'll take to pay the loan off, if you could lower the month payment um, you know then then it's probably worth exploring um, but yeah it, it's one of those things too where most people just there's a there's a tenant and there's a payment and it's all like everything's good so you don't really know whether or not you need to um, that's where mortgage lending kind of becomes like a custom fit and what I would suggest for somebody like you is we get together and we talk about those things like what are your objectives because one guy wants to pay his house off and the next guy has no desire to pay it off sooner you know one guy wants to just save more money per month because the medical insurance costs or got him in a chokehold and looking for some other way to put some um, help into the budget. Well, I think there's another issue here, too, of the loan being in his dad's name, but now he's inherited the property. Um, and I think there's, technically speaking, yes, the bank, now that you're the rightful owner of the property, would probably prefer you to be the new mortgage holder as well. At the same time, practically speaking, our experience is that as long as the payment continues to be made on time, no uh -huh. one's ever going to say anything. Right. That, that's the practical experience there. So, yeah. um, you know, as an interesting aside, Dan, I recently had an estate attorney explain to me that there is some provision where somebody can inherit a property and have a right to keep the you know the um the financing the financing in place that was before and I, and i was always under the impression that there was no legal safe haven for that but she said there was i'm not the expert on it but so yeah what i would suggest though is let's talk about it um you know it and one of the other things too is that Loans have their greatest tax write-off in the first five years. No matter what kind of loan you get, there it's very front-heavy on the interest. So sometimes, even if you've, like, say you have a 30-year loan and you're 15 years into it, you have 15 years to go. If you do a new 15-year loan right now, you're going to still have 15 years to go. Oftentimes, that payment's going to be less, and it'll have... Um, a new interest write-off. So there can be kind of some tax planning ways of looking at that too. So what we usually do is say, let's get together, figure out your priorities, figure out what the angles are, see if there's some way that you find a, a real benefit in doing so. Um, sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no, but it, it never hurts yeah. to explore that because you know usually we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
Right. Yeah, and I'm going through, it's going through Green Tree right now. And eventually I would like to fix it up and rent it and get a loan to fix it up. What's the current use of the property? Uh, my dad's living in it with two housekeepers that are living rent free. Okay. And what kind of, do you know, what, what's the loan that you have on it currently? Um, it's a green tree loan with a, uh, you know the, balances 166 grand. Do you know the interest rate and term on the loan? It's uh, 6.37500. See, that's really high. And um, so now I'm going to start to change my tactic a little bit. I would like you to call. I'd like to help you with that. Um, and I want to tell you just real quick about the strategy, at least in part. A lot of people don't realize this, but you can buy or refinance a home for a parent <laughs> and do it as a primary residence for yourself. Um, so they live there and it's mm -hmm. there. It, the house is in your name. The loan is in your name. The parent continues living there, but you get the primary residence terms for the loan, which right. again, I, we can't go quoting interest rates and stuff on the fly right now, but those wow. rates are in, you know, depending on what you do for an owner occupied loan, they're less than 4% with very minimal wow. costs. And we, so you could stand to, you know, and again, we got to couple this up with your objectives. But if, if dad's not paying rent and you're kind of helping manage it and it's got this loan, then if, if that means that the biggest help we could be is lowering the payment by, you know, the most possible, a couple hundred, 300, 400 bucks a month, whatever it is, if that... Yeah, it seems like I'm not paying the house off. Yeah. It seems like I'm not getting anywhere. So then then that is the other question, kind of once we get into your finances and see what your needs are, if it means that we need to change the, the loan into a shorter term or do something where we can accomplish not just a goal of saving money, but also accelerating the rate it's paid off. And there's some, there's some cool advantages to it because your dad lives in it. So I just... I would encourage you to give us a call this week. Let us um, get to the more custom fit part of this process with you. Um, the number to our offices, all of them ring at 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. All right. Cool. Well, thanks. I'll do that. Thanks for listening, and thanks for calling today. We really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks right. for being on. All right. Have a good one. Final commercial break time of the show. Would you believe if I told you there was only 20 minutes left yet of this two-hour block? And by the way, I got to recognize and thank Joe Bowman here running the boards for us flawlessly. I mean, just... Oh, you make it easy. Absolutely <laughs> flawlessly. This is a well-oiled machine, <laughs> I must say. Is this the first time you've had to sit through Mortgage Matters with us? This is the first time I've done the Saturday shows, yeah. You, so you had <laughs> motor mouths before. Yeah. More people, I think, can relate to motor mouths because everybody seems to like have a car or whatever. But then mortgage stuff starts to get a little bit more... Um, to the specialized folks that so are we putting you to sleep it you know it, it's informative it's not sexy sure but it's informative <laughs> you know it's finance you know sure maybe we should rebrand the company dan instead of 
Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. It'll be Central Coast Lending. It's not sexy, it's not but sexy, it's informative. But it's informative. <laughs> we'll help you. All right, we're going to do the final commercial break here of the show. Hopefully, you'll stick around and join us when we get back with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, welcome back. Uh, where were we? Just helping people, helping people do things with mortgage financing. I think we were doing a thorough review of the menu of loan products and things that we do to help people. Yeah, we were talking about jumbo financing. You were offering up a real life deal that you locked this week at yeah. some ridiculous rate. Three point. Do you want me to tell you what it is again? Three point seven, whatever APR, just yeah. amazing. I was gonna say that jumbo loans are pretty cool today. You can get them with as little. You can buy a home using jumbo financing with as little as ten percent down. Yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. And a lot of those jumbo programs with only ten percent down have no mortgage insurance requirement. You do have to have pretty good credit. They want to see you typically have, from what I could see, and, and we have about a half a dozen or so lenders that seem to be offering unique jumbo loans. 
but you're looking at, you know, typically you're going to need a credit score better than 720 and probably six months reserves at the closing of the deal. So, and reserves really what we're talking about is principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. Like this deal that I'm talking about, um, the 3.625 30-year fix with the 3.731 APR, <laughs> that has a monthly, so that's a $674,000 loan for house and slow, and that has a, a monthly PITI, which again is principal interest taxes and insurance of $3,800 a month. So and so, the six-month reserve requirement would, would be, be six that. times that figure. Mm -hmm. So roughly, I mean, twenty-three, twenty-four thousand yeah. bucks. You're going to need to show in an account to say if the going got tough, I've got six months before I might be scrambling to make this payment. Um, and that's going to be the case with most of the jumbo loans. Some of them that go real far-reaching start to want twelve months per property and things like that. But Some will want as much as twenty-four months. Yeah, yeah. So it just depends on the program and the situation. But jumbo loans are yeah, and I'll competitive. and I'll tell you because it's the case in this loan too. Um, but this is a rate and term refinance, even though we're paying off a second. And that's a jumbo guideline. So in, in what I mean by that is got to understand the framework a little bit. There are two kinds of refinances that, that people can get on their home. And one is called a rate and term. And what that means is you're lowering the rate or you're lowering the term. This is the purpose of the refinance. So you're not accessing any cash. In fact, oftentimes you're putting cash in to buy down your loan amount to get a lower rate, to get a lower shorter term. The other kind of refinance is called a cash out refinance. And that's where somebody for whatever acceptable reason is taking equity out of their property, right? It could be cash that you put down. Like let's say you bought a $500,000 house and you put $300,000 down. And then a year into it, you, another investment opportunity comes up where you really need $100,000. So you would do a refi and take $100,000 back out. Those two kinds of loans, one where people are getting a lower rate and a shorter term, one or the other, versus the guy that's harvesting equity, the the interest rate and terms are always a little more strict for the the cash out the person taking money out of the property harvesting their equity um, and so conventional financing is really such that if you're ever paying off a second it's the whole thing's considered cash out so somebody comes in to roll a first and a second into one new loan on a conventional loan they sort of get penalized for that and we have to price it as a cash out loan so you're going to get a slightly higher interest rate or a slightly higher closing costs and have greater equity requirements and things like this on jumbo they've got a rule that if you haven't taken a draw on your second in the last 12 months they'll call it a no cash out refi. So in this particular case, as you know, like I say, it's one of the strengths here. If you're combining a first and a second, you're not penalized for doing so. And so um, I can think of, you know, an ideal client that's out there, somebody that owns expensive real estate and slow that maybe has a first and a second or a loan balance that exceeds $561,000 that gets into what the jumbo for our area is. 
here's a real life opportunity right now to get these low rates, um, get your payment locked in, get yourself one new loan. Instead of having a first and a second, you're just going to have a new 30-year fixed at a super low interest rate. Especially if that second is a line of credit. If that second's a line of credit, those are usually tied to the prime interest rate. They usually have an interest rate cap anywhere from 18 to 24%. And as rates start to rise, they can get pretty out of control pretty quickly. Um, So you can combine them and and get them fixed uh, into one jumbo loan. I was just notified that we fell into that trap that we fall into so often that we're taking for granted that people don't always know what we're talking about. I got a question text to me. Which part? What's a jumbo loan? What is a jumbo loan? Yeah, so jumbo is essentially a private label loan where some bank investment company something's come up with a product offering and it's a it's where the loan amounts exceed the program limits in our county agency limits yeah in our county you got fannie and freddie a maximum loan amount for a single family residence of five hundred sixty one thousand two hundred dollars so when you go over that the you you're no longer eligible to get an agency loan that's that a paper loan and so you are by definition now a jumbo loan amount and that can be loan amounts from in our county 561 201 through 5 million bucks yeah and those loan amounts do vary by county the maximums do vary by county you can um if if you're interested if you want to know where your county limit sits at you can google um fannie mae Fannie Mae loan limit 2016. Yeah, and, and you'll find spreadsheets that will that will show this to you. I know the maximum across the country that any county could be for Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac eligibility is 625 500. That's, That's right. the maximum in any county. We see that in areas that are really high cost, like I mean, I LA County. Go, I think Santa Barbara actually might be that high right now. I believe right Santa now. Barbara is as well. Um, other counties are lower, and and the. The permanent, the 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 lowest that that maximum loan amount could be is four hundred and seventeen thousand. That's what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will buy all day every day. That's called the conforming loan limit. Um, so yeah, anything. And then these limits can also vary by property type. So if you have a two, three, or four unit property type, then those loan limits actually go up higher. I think the four unit um, loan limit. Approaches somewhere around a million. Bucks. It's over a million. Yeah, it's dollars. over a million dollars. Yeah, and and that's kind of a cool one, by the way. It's interesting though when you buy like a four unit property. I think the down payment requirement from Fannie Mae is like thirty five, maybe forty percent. So you got to put a lot of capital down, but allows you to borrow pretty high. Um, that's a pretty neat way to be able to buy a house. Speaking of which, FHA will allow you to buy two unit, three unit, four unit house. If you're gonna live in one of them, you can buy that with just the three and a half percent down. Did you know so that? you can buy like a million dollar four unit property with only three and a half percent down as long as you're gonna live in one of the units. It's That's a, pretty wild. It's a pretty interesting way. Yeah, we had a client in 2009, kind of a stroke of genius timing. But he bought a duplex in Morro Bay for like... That's right. Three and a half percent down. Yeah, for like $305,000. Wow. 
It's amazing. And he put 3.5% down. He lived in one unit for a year, which was required, and then moved out and got a tenant for that unit. And the the thing... More than cash flows. It's probably like doubled or tripled in price. With no down payment. Yeah, and I'll bet now it's probably doubled or tripled. You're right. (laughs) We'd be doing you a disservice if we didn't share with you that interest rates, mortgage interest rates today are the lowest they've been in 12 months. The 10-year treasury note this week, I think, closed somewhere in the the 1.8 range, which is the lowest it's been in 12 months. So if you've purchased real estate in the last 12 months, maybe you don't even realize that you can refinance because you so recently bought this home and and procured this financing so recently. You can. There are no prepayment penalties on most mortgages today. Um, You can refinance into a lower interest rate and save yourself some money, even if you just recently got a loan. You know, me... Maybe you bought a home six months ago. You're you're all of six months into your 30-year loan. That's the best time to lower your interest rate because you haven't made significant progress in your loan anyway, so you're not really taking a step backwards in, in your financing situation. Right. You're just improving your payment for the next 30 years. Maybe um, with as much as rates have fallen, maybe stepping from the 30 all the way down to a 15 so quickly even makes sense for you because you're going to wipe away like three quarters of the interest cost in doing so. There's some opportunities right now that people maybe didn't realize we're going to, we're going to be handed to them on this silver platter so quickly um, who've just bought homes maybe in the last 12 months. It's worth reaching out. Yeah. It creates an, an, a really interesting new opportunity, you know? I mean, we've been, for years, we've been being told by the economists to that rates are going to go up. This can't last forever. These and low they, rates. They did. I mean, there. You remember that season of loans in what was it, twenty twelve or thirteen, where we doled out so many three and a quarter, thirty year fixed. That's a that's a thing of the past right now. Um, nobody's getting a three and a quarter, thirty year fixed today. Um, it it shot up actually to about four and a quarter or four and a half two years ago. And now today it's pushing back around the three and three quarters mark. So it's like trending back in that direction in spite of the Fed's raising rates, in spite of, you know, years of no inflation and in spite of. Uh, the the market and economy doing what it's doing, there's this new opportunity now that wasn't supposed to exist. And, and I do get a little bit excited about it. I feel like it's a... Uh, we used to have a commercial about the golden opportunity, right? You remember yeah, that? Yeah, was it the golden age of, of loans or something? Yeah, something golden like Golden age of real estate. Yeah. And that's that place where you could buy a house that was under market value with an interest rate that was under market interest rate, right? <laughs> and now houses are arguably, I mean, the values have rebounded. They're there. They're pretty sturdy. Every index we see suggests that real estate's going up at 5%, 6% a year, even nationally. Yet we're still toiling around with these good low rates. So it's nice that... Um, in this steady market, you can still get a low rate. So yeah, that'd be my my final call to anybody that um, if you have a first and a second, 
Your second is usually adjustable, interest only, something funny. Um, it's a great time to think about putting those two together, getting one loan. Um, if it's a conforming loan, great. If it needs to be a jumbo loan, you just heard they're pretty low now too. Um, so if you're in that spot, if you have two loans, you should really call. Let us start to figure out how best to accomplish your objectives, keep you safe there. Um, if you have mortgage insurance, call us. Uh, there's so many great ways to get rid of your mortgage insurance right now. If you can get your mortgage insurance to stop and you can get a lower interest rate, you can save tons of money. It's worth exploring. Um, and then the other thing, if, you're, if you've got a VA um, or an FHA loan, both of those programs are offering streamlined refinances, so you might be able to get those down. The VA and FHA rates are close to that three and a quarter number. They're ridiculously cheap. Um, so if you have FHA or VA, that's worth exploring, potentially doing one of the streamlined refis to just go through. Like on the VA one, you don't even need to get an appraisal. You don't have to provide really any documentation. Uh, you just can, you know, come in, do the loan application. It's called the, the streamline interest rate reduction. And you just get to come out the other side with a, um, you know, a lower interest rate. So of course there's costs and strategies with all of these different loan types and approaches. And so what we really want to do is if you're in that boat, if there are any of those things that you, you hear us talking and you go, yeah, I got that. Or, you know, I, for whatever reason you've been putting off calling, give us a call and let us, let's do our best to help pair up your objectives with a loan product or program that might get you better on the way. And then lastly, I got to say, if you don't have one of those loans and you don't have mortgage insurance and you don't have a second, you don't have any of that junk, um, sounds like you don't have a house. And we're really good at helping first time home buyers. Uh, realize that dream of buying a home. And if you're not already on that path, um, we can just show you to the path and, and help you understand the budget, maybe give you some savings objectives for down payments, work on your credit to make sure you have good, well-rounded credit. There's all these different things that we'd love to be able to help you with. Um, check us out on the web. We're at centralcoastlending.com. You can call. One number rings all of our offices around the county. It's 543-LOAN. And uh, we, we'd love to hear from you this week. Have a great week, you guys. Be safe. Root for rain. We'll be back next week.